0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Drake, here, and we are once again going to bring you our second part of our multi-part sit-down with the one and only Mr. Big Game, James Coleman. Sitting down with James for Max and myself was, it was a great time, man. We discussed basically how him being a Seminole back in the day, what he saw was a standard then, what he sees at a standard now, and what he thinks actually should probably be be taking place in order for FSU to take its place back at the mountaintop. And he also gets to do a little bit of a victory lap when it comes to one Mr. Jordan Travis being the de facto best option at quarterback. And also, you know, we just discussed a little, get a little deeper with the conversation and that will be more, basically more of a tease for part three of our sit down. But with that being said, thank you guys so much for the love and support and making Locked On Semmels your first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with the show. Max. Drake, James, take it away. As always, folks, be your damn pullback. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: First of all, thank you for sharing like your background, because I think it's great context, but there I think there's also another side of like, you're a person who clearly anything you do, you want to do to the best of your ability, because you know that represents you as a man. So even like, and I there's no way to know, right? But I I, I almost think that no matter, if you hit the lottery tomorrow, you're the guy that would be at work the day after tomorrow, doing your best job. You would be, you know, you'd be like a Jackie Chan, right? Who said, Yeah, my kids aren't getting a trust fund. I'm donating my money because I didn't have a trust fund, but I'm going to teach them how to make their own money if they want. So, like, even if they they don't have that motivation, maybe, of, like, the urgency, how how do you just communicate that back to them of do things the best you can because you're representing first yourself, but also this great legacy that you talked about? Like... How do you think Norvell can get that message through to these teams and get them to play to that standard?
0: And do you think he's the right guy to do it? Also, or do you think it should be? Kind I think of Mike him? can be.
2: I, I, I don't like. I don't get caught up in the. I've never, I've never, in, in the things that I've written and I, the things I say. I have a daily radio show, so I, I talk a lot. So there's a lot of things to be on there. But you'll never find a, a segment or an article where I've ever asked for a coach to be fired. I don't believe in that per se. Now I may be fed up. Um, Like, I like Jimbo with the production, but I was a little fed up with the way he left. But I can respect it a little bit more now. I I, kind of get it a little bit more. Um, I never asked for Tag to be hired or fired. The only thing I've always said, and I I still stick to this, I do not believe coaches should be fired before three years. I believe that's just – it's impossible to know what would have happened. Like, you didn't even get a chance to get your full full classes in. Um, So is Mike the guy or not – is, is, is irrelevant because I'm gonna support whoever the head coach is and, to my damage. But I think what Mike and what Mike hasn't had the opportunity to really do outside of one year is be able to live up to his open door policy, which he really does have an open door policy. You as a former player, you can come in there and, and you can chop it up with him. Every time I've met Mike, it's been very good, very cordial. I actually really enjoy talking to Mike. Like talking to Mike Norvell like we'll get you hype. Like <laughs> he's a energy, he's an energy guy. How I think, and I was actually the funny. I was actually with one of my former teammates, Leroy Smith, and we were just discussing this. Like, just talk to former players, and you'll hear the passion and the intensity in their voice about Florida State. Mm-hmm. And somewhere down the line, that was lost. And it's a lot of guys who are grateful for the opportunity, but that's it. They're not grateful for the opportunity to leave a legacy for the next generation. So, funny story. Oh, after the 0-3 season, we won ten games, lost to Miami twice, mm-hmm. and some really, and some ESPN classic games, uh, and then we had the the debacle that PK Sam blames Bobby for against Clemson, where we were like, if we beat Miami earlier that year with a couple questionable calls, or we beat Clemson, you know what, you know what, what we're doing in the beginning of the last decade, we're playing in the national championship. Yeah, that's that's how close we were, but and in the next year, if we make a field goal against Maryland. We go into the Florida game with a little bit different, and we're probably playing in the national championship. But we had a meeting. like, so, like <laughs> so when people say, James, you're really, really hard on these guys, let me tell you why I'm really hard on these guys. We won 10 games. Like right now we won 10 games. do will throw a freaking parade in Tallahassee. But we won 10 games, ACC championship, all of that jazz. We get called to a special meeting. Players only. When we go in, it is the who's who of who played at Florida State at that time. Interesting. It was. I saw Deion. I met. That was the first time I ever met Deion Sanders. I'm like, wow, that's prime. Prime is here. Like all these guys, you grew up. They cussed us out for two hours. They told us how bad we were. How lucky we were to have what we had. How we're messing up their legacy. How we're tarnishing their image and blah 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 and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now at 8, 19 years old, I was extremely offended. I was mad. And we talked to them a little bit about how they never come around. And there was some reasons why. And and some of those reasons are still here to this day. But my point is, is that it now as a dad, like you know. So I have my daughter in college. So like it was. I'm not misogynist. And you know people say whatever they want to say. I love my baby girl to death. She, she is, she, she the only person who would tap my pockets whenever she wants to. But I really wanted—I've only wanted to have a son. Like my, my—you can see it on Twitter. Like if you like my, I call my youngest my favorite, and he is because he hugs me and he's loving right now. He's and he's a badass. He reminds me more of parts of my personality that I like. But the franchise, my, my, my—the boy who has my name. Oh, nothing made me feel better. My son told me once, you know, Dad, and and I'm going to say that hopefully I don't get you guys. I'm black, so I I should be able to say this. He said, because these young kids don't have an understanding of how far back history was, right? So he said, Dad, you know, back in slavery when you played at Florida State and you guys were good, you know, like people wanted to go there. But, like, I like LSU and I like Odell Beckham and I liked it. Do you understand how much of a gut punch that is to hear your likeness? The kid, your pride and joy, the kid who has your name tell you that he doesn't he's not a Florida State fan. He's a fan of other people because they're not any good. So I found a rewound back and I thought about those guys coming and talk to us. They all had kids mm-hmm. and their kids aren't seeing the representation of Florida State that they told their kids was Florida State. My son is not seeing the representation of Florida State that he's been birthed into that he knows. And, and, and that's why, again, it really means something. Like I wanted to play to make sure that, that next kid, like that next kid that wants to come to Florida State, was gonna watch me. He grew up watching me or others who I was around in my era. And I want them that to be the reason. So um, I think that's what's missing. I think if we and I and I said this. It's not that his open door policy isn't effective. It's not that we're not welcome back. It's that we're not asked that. Certain guys are asked back, but like you know, like and rightfully so. Derek Brooks, phenomenal person. Charlie Ward, solid Earth person. Not a person in this world. Probably the only person. If you ever saw me in a room, I won't curse. I did not curse around Charlie Ward out of reverence and respect. Peter Buller, oh yeah. First time I ever saw a black American Express car was with Peter Buller. Peter Buller is it's an entrepreneurial a magnet. Those are the guys that are dope, but that those and those are the guys that were the iconic players. Peter Ward right. himself as well. But those aren't the only guys that can come and relay what it was like. 90% of those players would never be on that kind of status. But a lot of them, a lot more of them could be James Coleman. A lot the reality is a lot more of these guys. May get some coffee and be yays like I did in New Orleans in the NFL, but they're going to become dads. They're going to become entrepreneurs. They're going to come into the community. They're going to be the representation of your football program in that manner. And what you need to do is let these guys understand the mindset that went into making us who we are. Like You talk about the success. and Yes, it was birthed coming from a little bit of hardship, but it was also birthed by the fact that I had no choice. There was no there was no second option. There was no coming back to my mama's house. My mom, like to be honest with you, like I walked on, but it was more of what they consider a blue shirt now than okay. than, than a walk on. They didn't really. I didn't do what I was supposed to do in the classroom. That was mm-hmm. the main reason why I didn't get recruited. The recruit, I lost. I lost a ton of scholarships once they thought I wasn't gonna get. I wasn't gonna be eligible. Mm-hmm. But when I went in there, my mom said, "Now I could have went to a D two school or a lower school where they could have like accepted my grades." But my mom said, "This is what you want to do, son." I ain't got nothing past six months for you. I, I can help you a little bit, but once you step out this house, there's no safety there. Mm-hmm. You'll always be my son. I always love you, but you got this is what you gotta do. So, like, you know, when you go out there and that's your mindset, it's a completely different world. Matt drills also embody. Like, I joke with people, like I, I view my life's problems on a scale of zero to Matt drill. If it's harder than Matt drills, I ain't got no business doing it. The only thing harder than Matt drills was COVID for me. Like COVID, COVID yeah. kicked my ass. I thought I was gonna die. But like, but even Matt drills was what got me through COVID. Like, there's I see they do the um, what do you call it tour duty stuff, and that's don't get me wrong, that's hard. Like me, yeah. if any of us went out there and tried to do it, we, we would die. Yeah,
0: it pretty ain't much.
2: Matt it ain't bad drills. Like bad drills is like ask. I promise, like any guy that you get on, say hey. Tell us about Madrills. And Madrills was literally hell on earth. Like, Mm -hmm. no, it it, it was cool because it taught you that the end goal was championships and that that nobody cares. You have a role and you have a responsibility. No matter what happens in front of you, you have to do your job. So I'm going to put this, like, this is a perspective. One of the times the guy in front of me literally threw up in our spot. But that's my spot. I don't get to say, ew, there's throw up there. Trainer, can you clean this up? Coach, can I move a little bit to the left, move a little bit to the right? That's your spot. Get it done. Coach, I'm slipping because somebody threw up. Nobody cares. We did not ask you that. Your job is to do what we tell you to do. It's mm-hmm. the best. And not just what we tell you to do. You must will the person to your left and the person to your right through this. And that's why, like, I mean, when I, like, So, again, people who think, like, it's just all, shucks, man, this man was maniacal, and and it was dope. It was great, and it was great. It it was great training for young men, and it put us in a position to where we had to lose ourselves. and I think that's really where it comes down to. Football, to make it to the NFL, you have to be somewhat selfish, Um, and I get that. Nobody comes to Florida State because they want to be road scholars. You come to Florida State to go to the NFL. It's always been true. It's still true to this day. That being said, you have to be able to deny a little bit of what your personal goals are for the collective goals of the group and that's what things like mad drills that's what a lot of our off season training was about and that's why so many of us are friends even though we don't have to talk mm-hmm. every day but when we get together man the things that brought us together like mad drills and some of the tough games is what we're going to always remember to our dying days and yeah. um i think we got to get back to that a little bit and i think they will um, You know, but there and there's some other often some admin stuff that we've got to do a better job as a fan base to really focus on and stop allowing them to get off the hook. Um, I'll say this and I'll let you move on. Like, imagine if Bobby Bowden got the indoor practice facility that he asked for in 1996. How much better Florida State would be. So when I hear about football-only facilities and they stop building it because tag sucked or whatever, that's BS you don't you don't don't if boosters I'll get my money when it. No, that's that's not how Alabama does it that's not how Georgia does it that's not how these other schools do it they do it because they want to win in football and facilities win money matters you gotta you gotta grind and I think that's really where you know I I, I've seen a lot of excuses over the last couple years doesn't mean you hate the people there it just means that you know hey I'm about results Nobody, my my mortgage, if I don't, it don't matter what happened. When I was in the hospital for 10 days and couldn't work for damn near a month, my mortgage company said, hey, man, that's tough, man. I hope you get better. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I think they sent me flowers. With and the they also sent me my mortgage. <laughs> 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 so they, say, they also said, hey, bro, you, you still on the hook for this. Like So like I laugh at a lot of people. And I say some of their football takes makes it difficult for me to do business with them because another Mike Norvell quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if this is how you you let people off the hook for this with football, I can only imagine what you do if I gave you my finances. Like, nah, bro. Yeah. I give you, if I give you twenty thousand and you tell you come back and tell me it was COVID, you're gonna have to see me. You ain't gonna wanna see them, bro. I will say this attitude reflects leadership. Bobby, another Bobbyism. Um, you gotta approach each play with a reckless abandon and total disregard for personal safety. He literally said that. A million times in my four years, and and, and I mean, I, I I'll tell my son. It's only like you know, I coach an I nine flag football team. This team,
1: and, yeah, and
2: they they bullied me into coaching it, and, and I don't want to because I can I understand like you know, kind of times if the parents have changed. Like Bobby also mm. said this, the kids haven't changed, right? The parents have changed. The people have changed around the kids. So like, if you hold them to a, sorry. Sound redundant, but if you hold them to a yeah. standard, they will rise and fall to what your level of expectation is. If you right. tell them it's okay to fail, they will fail. If you create a climate that's where it's not okay to fail, then guess what? People aren't going to do? They aren't going to fail. And that was what the climate was. So that doesn't mean that it's not okay to lose. You can learn in that, but it's not, but you're going to, like, so when we lost, it was damn near track practice the next day. Like, we weren't going in, and they were just like, oh, it's okay. We'll get them next week. We just aren't good as them. No, we had punishments. Oh, matter of fact, every week the defense – and I told Coach Fuller this when I first met him, and this was crazy. You could not believe this is what Mickey used to do. The boys started off with eight gassers. They start off with eight gassers. Now, they could get them – there was like eight goals that they the defense had to hit every week so you hit each goal you get a gasser knocked off so in theory we got so let's say let's say like with florida state lost i think it was we lost to north carolina state this year. we lost the wake forest wake forest was the was a better was a was a worse loss so yeah. we lost the wake forest the defense would have had eight gassers now here's what they do every play they log if you have a missed assignment that's a gasser if you have a loaf which means you didn't give ex- championship effort That's a gasser. If you something bad happened, you got a gasser. In theory, you can make a play, but if you didn't do it the way Coach Andrews wanted you to do, you can still get two gassers associated to it. And when I told Coach Foley, he said, "Okay, so on Monday practice, they ran conditioning. You ran conditioning, and then on Tuesday practice, you 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 did your punishments." And I said, "No, we did that on Monday's practice." So in theory, you could run 16 gassers, and what you were going to do is run those 16 gassers. Mickey was going to get every little piece out of you for that. And it wasn't considered, like, again, we have the 20-hour rule. You did not run those gassers because it was a part of practice. You ran those gassers because you were so upset with yourself because of your performance that you chose to go out there and allow Mickey Andrews to watch you do it for time. So, like, if you don't make the time, you know what you get an opportunity to do? another gossip (laughs) again so these are the standards that people were held to and you knew you were going to be held to these and when you go out and you play you better live up to these things and i think that's what set the tone and i think um again the attitude of the leadership was to not accept anything less than your best and they didn't recruit you because you were average they recruited you not even to develop you, they recruited you because they felt you were the best possible person to put into that situation and your job was to go take another NF potential NFL player's job. Like Michael Bullware will admit that Ernie Sims gave him pause. And Michael Bullware was like a three-year starter at Florida State. Yeah. Like and they brought in Ernie Sims to take his job. Every year they brought your replacement. So like it's just but like I said, yeah, it, it is a cultural mindset now. I think people have accepted things that they shouldn't accept but at the end of the day it's like you know we're we were bullies from from when i was i was and i was birthed into a birthed into a program that was known for being bullies and right now you know,
1: you know we got a bunch
2: man. of we got a lot of nice guys and and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with being a nice guy like I, 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 like I tell my sons i don't I didn't grow up, my father, like, each generation of James is a little bit softer. Like my father is a was a hard ass from what I understand about him. Um, I didn't grow up with him, but from the talks I've had, um, people tell me stories about when I was growing up about how rough I was or rough I wasn't. My son won't be like that, but at the same time, I tell them with well, my i when we hit that field, be it, I, there is no friends. I don't care if you're in school. That could be your best friend. Y'all could have got baptized together for all I care. He is the enemy, and our job is to make them submit to our will. We will beat them, but we will mercy rule everybody that we see. It's not my job to boost those kids' self-esteem. It's my job to worry about my team. It's my job to make y'all make kids cry. And I think if we had more of that, we would have more winning. If we had more coverage of that, coverage that held people to that standard, we would have more winning as well, as opposed to people who find every reason to make an excuse for these young men who are great young men, who I do believe are good. Who I do believe have it in them. We just have to go in and let them know that, hey, dog, you are um, you are taking on a tradition of badassery, and you must you must be a badass. And I need you to be that so that my son sees that and my son wants to emulate
1: that. This kid I wrestled with, Will Alford, said something that that stood out, still stands out to me, fifteen years later. I remember um, I watched my coach, uh, James Marshka, Childs High School uh, head wrestling coach, still just great guy but he was tough as nails i mean he was he was a son of a bitch i hated him in high school obviously like and now he's someone i still look up to and admire and i remember one time when i was a freshman he chewed into will alford one of the most naturally gifted wrestlers i've ever seen i mean laid into him and i was kind of like oh my god like how's will gonna react and um i remember the next day i I said something to him about man Marshka, you know like what was that about he goes he goes that's that's what i expect from a coach he goes if I need to feel better, I've got to, I've a f- mom for that. I need my coach to, to, I forget exactly what he said, but basically like, hey, I need my coach to smack some sense into me. I need my coach to, because I knew I should have won that match. And I knew I wrestled like an idiot. And I knew that, you know, my cardio wasn't where it should be. And that's why I lost. And my mom will tell me I'm the greatest thing ever when I get home tonight. And like, we need more of that mentality where it's like, it's okay for your coach to be an asshole. If he gets great results, you're going to look back and say, yeah, but I'm a national champion. Like, anyway, let's move on to this year's football. But I just like brought up that fun memory. And, you know,
2: I know you say we want to get to the
1: season, but just to to preface that one more, one more thing. So my neighborhood that I grew
2: up in, if you want to, like, so that was the day when people come get you out. You had 12 o'clock on Saturday. You could hear every door in my neighborhood slam after the cartoons were over and Paris kicked us out you were outside yeah. if i wanted to play basketball at the courts where guys is from the age from our age all the way up to 20 something now luckily i've been the same height since i was 10. so they those so really when i was 10 is when i really started like getting grown-ass men bodying me like mm-hmm. putting me like and, and what was i gonna do i want to play Am I gonna cry? And, and when I go home, and my mother and my grandmother, the way they raised me, it's just you are gonna, you gonna. I didn't have a, I didn't have a male figure, so they, they figure that this, had, this is the only way. Are you gonna cry, or are you gonna go and, and yep. do it? Like my mother's saying was, be so good that they can't deny. You. And even like, like I, oh, so like, let I me. Mean, I'm sorry, like. I was starting the entire o three season and I messed around and I read the Chat message boards I, I googled myself I wanted to see what people were saying oh oh my god the other fullback got hurt and they didn't realize that I was already starting they talk about me so bad like I was did just you have, like, did you have a oh, a did you hurt.
1: did you almost make a burger name and respond Good.
2: right so I called my mom and I said mom this is what they're saying about me Her response was, they talked about Jesus, what makes you think they won't talk about you? It's not what I wanted to hear. So I called my second favorite person, my grandmother. My grandmother is one of the coldest, most nicest ladies you'll ever meet. This is what my grandmother said, I quote. I said, grandma, I read the message boards. They said I wasn't any good, blah, blah, blah. And my grandmother said, who told your dumb ass to read? They did not bring you there to read. They brought you there to hit people. If you don't like what they're saying, hit people more. And that's what we need more. We need more Isla May Watkins. We need more grandmamas coming out there telling these boys that don't come to me with your tears. Because, again, a lot of it just has to do with life. When I'm not at my best and I'm not having a great day, my tears do not pay bills. My kids are great kids, a little spoiled. They have expectations. The roof over their head, clothes on their back, good food. Their mother expects certain things. When I had my daughter, when I, my daughter's mother expected every month to make sure that there was a, a certain amount of funds that was there. Because of that, if those funds were not there, nobody was sitting there feeling sorry for me not doing my job. That's not what men. That, that's right. That's not. I mean, I, I know people like to talk about misogyny and men are too tough and blah blah blah. But nobody. The only time people love crying men is in movies and on tv shows your job as a man is to go out there and do your job and perform at a high level and that's that's really what that's the beautiful thing about football just go out there and impose your will on somebody else and everything else takes care of itself
0: so i kind of want to give you the chance to have your little victory lap like we said in the dms about how you felt about uh kz on the football (laughs) field um so I kind of want to ask, like, what do you think were the core core? Actually, Max was kind of in the same boat as you, actually, about JT People and KZ. literally Acted
1: like I was crazy when I was like, yeah. I was like, Guys, so just,
0: what do you think was kind of the, I guess, core issue behind how twenty twenty two fell out? And also, how do you feel how Mike has kind of addressed the needs, kind of in recruiting in the portal, kind of like do them well? Because right now, you know, the hot topic is that we're not going after a, QB, a transfer QB, where we haven't landed the elite offensive linemen. It's like, what do you? How do you feel that twenty twenty two played out? And how do you think, feel that Norvell's been addressing those needs probably by replenishing the roster?
2: I think 2022 was a year that we, we we really missed a great opportunity. We missed a layup. And we missed a layup trying to worry about all the things that were not football related. Mm-hmm. And I'll go in and we'll start off with the McKenzie Mullen thing. And, and great story, great young man. I love it. I hope he gets into coaching. I think we need more people like that around. I I have a hard time exalting. like So when you look about our fan base, guys who transfer out are scum of the earth. They're terrible people.
1: Guys who transfer in are supposed to change our culture, but they left another program. Dude, this is literally what I said. Sorry to cut you off, but like, people acted like I was the worst human on earth last summer when I was like, he said he left because his best friend was Dylan Gabriel.
2: My best friends were, like, I love BJD to death. DJ, he's a great person. I think he's doing big things in Alabama back home as an engineering. But,
1: but you he was a redshirt
2: freshman. I was a true freshman. We battled every year that I was there. Joe Surratt came in after me. I love Joe. I can love you and not want you to take my spot. I'd be right. damned if I'm giving anybody what I got. Like, like, that's if there's a way for it. both
1: of us to eat, like, if we can yeah. if we can do an eye formation and you can be fullback, I can be tailback, sure. But if there's one QB spot... But there's only one I way. That's my I, way to the only one way You're not taking it, right it from me. I don't care how good of friends we are. Like, so to right. me, yeah, I always had a big issue with that. But I you know, think that's, how that's how the... feels that way.
2: And I remember when I first started saying Jordan Travis isn't as bad as what everybody says. It was... Well, he ain't here no more. And he it, he's the biggest Jordan Travis fan in America... I got that from Kenny Dillingham. Yep. Kenny Dillingham is the one who told me that. Kenny Dillingham is the one who told me he has never seen KZ throw. And I'm like, how is everybody anointing somebody a starter that we haven't seen throw? And then I remember I got a lot of hate and flack because of the two-second clip. And so let, just to let you people know, like, I made my money a lot of different ways, but how I made my money before media was in sports performance training. And Mm -hmm. I specialize in what they call reconditioning. I've probably trained about 250 people who have come off of ACL tears, who've come off of MCL tears and getting them ready to go back. And what I saw was a lack of explosion. And it wasn't a knock on him. It was just he could not do what it is that was necessary at this level. And if his skill set was as good as what everybody was saying, Dylan Gabriel would not see the field. Right. And that's just the reality. Just from how good he was when they won, in that, when they won their fake national championship. That's just me being an observer. But I think they came in. Jordan Travis gave you every reason, every opportunity to win the Notre Dame game. We just could not get a stop. Mm-hmm. But what happened was when Jordan Travis got hurt, they pulled him out, and they put McKenzie Milton in. McKenzie Milton had a great throw to so I – be- I forgot who it was, but it was a great – yeah, it was a great throw. Going back, actually, not going back. It hung in the air a little bit, but it was good anticipation. They scored with TreShaun Ward, I believe, scored the touchdown on that drop or Corbin, whatever. We ran it. Sure they ran it. Yeah, he had forty yards. Yeah, I think he had forty-seven yards total passing that game, forty of which came on that drop. Mm-hmm. He had no touchdowns. He literally did absolutely nothing to win to keep you in that game. Jordan Travis is the one who kept you in that game and it was Jordan travis's legs and his ability now there were a couple things that happened that two of the interceptions I've one of them I've never seen before like when the guy came from the other hash to pick it off like that's just that's God's will man like you, you can't you like that's not you're not supposed to have the backside safety intercept an out route. like that doesn't happen like my man was running he was moving that guy would be a top five pick too by the way yeah. So when that happened, everybody was in this Mackenzie Miller love fest and it was great. And had he capitalized on it the next week and we beat Jacksonville State, we moved on, man, it would have been ESPN. We would have been the darlings of ESPN. We would have probably got a Disney movie. Like, right? you know, God couldn't
1: walk. And, Pe- people you know, God, here, here. Here's the here's the thing, man. Like people, it, you know, people like fulfilling prophecies they have since, since the ancient times. And I I don't mean that to be flipping about Christianity, it's in my Twitter bio. I'm a, I'm a devout Christian, but people love fulfilling prophecies and that's on a macro and a micro level. People wrote this prophecy of Mackenzie Milton, the one who would, who would come in, in this program's most dire time of need. And that would turn us around and bring us back from the brink of death and revive it. And that's the narrative they wanted to see. So, when they yeah. got a taste of it, right? Jordan Travis was really prank. And now McKenzie, you know, and it drove me nuts the next week. Yeah, McKenzie Milton orchestrated that comeback. It's like, you mean the, the comeback that was initiated by the Jordan Travis's 60 yards of passing on an 80-yard touchdown drive, that that comeback? The one where, okay, I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Like, And that's not a knock on McKenzie. It's just, I think that was the issue. What, what I am knocking, and I want your opinion on as a former player, is it's concerning to me that the coaches... Mike Norvell in particular seemed to be prisoners of the moment once right. that narrative started to come to fruition. That's what I was going to say. Like yeah. you said with the message, it, and that's what lost the locker room. You got to block that You got to block that out. Who cares if the fans are saying you should start KZ? You're the coach. So it,
2: yeah. Right. So after all the losses, PK again, I I don't not picking on my former teammate, but he it kinda,
0: it kinda he kind of He said
2: <laughs> he said something right. The locker room was lost. And, and I want people to understand hear me. If we lose, what was it? Was it was a three game? Was a four? Game. How many games? Four game. We were zero 4. four.
1: If the locker room isn't in shambles, I question every man in that locker room. If y'all had lost to an FCS team when you were there, would y'all have gotten out of that locker room without at least one fist fight?
2: No. I'm a, a perfect example. Well, um, I'll give you a great example. We played Miami, oh five.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we won. Very tough. Quick turnaround. So I, I understand what happened with Notre Dame. We played Citadel. We um. We had a terrible first half. I want to say either Citadel was beating us like 10 to 7 or we were winning 13 to 7 or 10. It was something like that. Mm -hmm. I lost my ever-loving mind on the offense. I cussed everybody's slap out. I'm not saying that's why we ended up beating them by 60, like beating 60 to something or whatever. But what I am saying is that would have never flown in any aspect. Like there's no – I can agree that we aren't as talented as Georgia. We aren't as mm-hmm. talented as Alabama. What I can't agree is is we're not we're not eons better than Jacksonville State. This wasn't even the best Jacksonville State team. The team the year before was better than this one. But like we lost. But even when you go back and you look at last year's Jacksonville State team, mm-hmm. we were losing that game when they didn't play Jordan until they played Jordan Travis. We put Tate Rotemaker in there who looked like he had never played football before. And we put everybody in besides him, and then, which I think is what really kind of started making people like, why are you not playing the guy who's responsible for the only wins you have? And that's the problem.
0: What's up, guys? Drake here. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode with the one and only Mr. Big Game James Coleman. Please tune in tomorrow for the final part of our multi-part sit-down with Mr. Coleman. And also tune in for Friday when we have the full episode uploaded to YouTube. Now, with that being said, as always, remember five star reviews, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you podcast from. For Drake, that was Max. That was Big Game James. And we'll see y'all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody.